We're back to being a normal country. We're back to being a country. The British Dream Podcast. Join us. Powerful people. As we launch our despicable acts like these. And sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. Back again for more good times. You know you've hit the big time when you hit episode five. Welcome to the British Dream. I'm Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor of Vice.com and drumroll please for limping into the sounds of Beethoven's Ode to Joy, Henry Langston. Bonjour. Leaking manifestos like it's not cool, Sheeran Kale. <laughs> Hello. And the fill to everyone's Teresa, Johan Koshi. Hello. This week we're talking leaking labor, France's generation ungovernable, and election scrutiny, or the lack of it. It's gonna be a riot. Here it is, about 20,000 words in total. Draft confidential. Try to calm down. In other words, they hadn't quite anticipated me waving it around on the telly. And behave like an adult. Welcome to Broken Britain, a housing crisis with no end in sight. Hospitals that look like war zones, a welfare state in tatters. Yes, Theresa May finally spoke out about what's really at stake at this election, saying that she's in favour of fox hunting. Less significantly, Labour's manifesto was leaked on Wednesday night, giving the clearest indication yet of what's on offer to the electorate. But also there was a sort of weird act of sabotage where Jeremy Corbyn's car ran over a cameraman. Yeah, um, it's kind of a kind of sad metaphor really for like both Corbyn's uh, long-standing issues with the BBC and also how much they managed to fuck up their manifesto leak. It's like the Canary is running their campaign. Yeah, I mean... Like it's Ann Mendoza is the new... It's really not great. Schneider. Yeah, it's really not great. I mean, the BBC and Jeremy Corbyn's allies haven't been getting on for a while, um, but hopefully this wasn't intentional. I'm sure it was all just There's a big... a great image of uh, Laura Koonsberg sort of standing dramatically next to his sort of playboy like it's the JFK assassination, something sort of like <laughs> screaming to the air. But um, yeah, my lead to even worse, even worse coverage for him, so it might backfire. But also, that wasn't the sort of only mishap, right? The whole thing was leaked uh, in the first place. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was leaked sort of late last night, and it's basically appeared pretty much everywhere um, online today, and the consensus is that um, it's extremely left-wing, um, as was to be expected from the, um, from the leader, Jeremy Corbyn. Do we know who leaked it? Uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about at the moment. Um, some people are actually saying that it might even be Corbyn's team that leaked it themselves. Um, uh, they famously think that a lot of the mainstream media doesn't report on their proposals very much, so there is a kind of logic to that. But That would be quite sneaky. Yeah, it would be quite so sneaky. So if they leak it, they will actually get some coverage. Right? Yeah, they get just some coverage. It properly then. Yeah, mm. or, or it could be someone at Labour headquarters, although um, there's been a lot of debate about who it might be, but at the end of the day, it's pretty much out now, and it's likely that pretty much all the proposals that we've seen in the leaked manifesto will actually form the body of the, the main Labour manifesto. Yeah. And it seems to have played all right for them. Well, you have this sort of awkward position, which you always have, which is it was very left-wing for a Labour Party manifesto, but then you also have to like look at it and be like, well, actually, a lot of these things, like returning corporation tax to like, quite a normal level, the level it was in like, 2011, is actually quite moderate. Um, but there was 
the ab ab abolition of tuition fees, which I guess is one of the biggest uh, sort of standout kind of flagship policies for young people, I guess. 500,000 uh, council homes, or quote, genuinely affordable council homes, so we can see what that means. Mm. And um, another thing that hasn't been picked up on that much is um, they've also, there's also a commitment to, um, to making abortion legal in Northern Ireland, which would be a really long, long-awaited policy that would help a lot of Northern Irish women. Um, yeah, and that's kind of flown under the radar because everyone's talking about tuition fees, understandably. But um, that would be fantastic. But I do think it speaks to the sort of strange scrutiny we've seen of uh, the whole election so far. N no one's gone... Okay, so Jeremy Corbyn's saying we're going to end the housing crisis. Obviously, we should end the house housing crisis. Will these policies really do that? That's not the level of scrutiny. It's just, no, there should be, a, essentially, by implication, there should be a housing crisis, actually, because not having a housing crisis is, like, really regressive and of the 70s. And so you don't, like, no, one, no one's really scrutinizing anything. There are no... Yeah, yeah. A grown-up, grown like sort of intelligent discourse would be like oh so nationalizing the rails but I mean there were lots of like interesting critiques from the left of that at the time like many people thought it actually wasn't that different it, it just went from private hands to state hands a lot of the work there was no like workers self-organization or democracy there's all these interesting questions about the difference between public ownership nationalization and so on like none of these discussions are obviously going to get had because it's 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 just like it's this 1970s thing it's just throwback uh, that seems to have been the dominant response on the Sun Daily Mail and the Telegraph so that's like a significant chunk of like circulated newspapers right there and yeah they all went back to the 1970s with Corbyn's policies um, which some people pointed out I mean obviously we've progressed especially on social issues since then but I mean, wages were real wages increased. There were, you know, those free education uh, things. Could buy public, a house back in the you 70s. could buy a house. Um, uh, the French Connection won Best Picture of the Oscars in '71. The most TV radical thing they've ever given it to, you know. TV was a lot more racist, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's good about the 70s. Yeah. Um, I think I also find it really annoying that papers point that out, and these are papers that support Brexit, something that which is back to the 1800s. Right? Yeah, is throwing us back to like empire. I think the main critique is that Jamie Corbyn's like proposing a lot of stuff and he can't pay for any of it. He's saying that everything's been fully costed but abolishing tuition fees that's a huge chunk of money that universities aren't going to be getting so like where's that going to come from but um, I think that that's kind of like the, the legitimate critique that you can throw at this but it's almost like the Tories don't need to be bothered to do that because they know that Labour's going to lose they don't have to attack him and propose their own policies they just have to chill and talk yeah. about fox hunting at the same time I think that critique of like whether Labour have costed this stifles any like deeper interrogation of any policies so you had that in the Diane Abbott stuttering brain freeze moment where it's like like, oh, Diane Abbott like had a brain freeze about whether you can pay for these 10,000 more cops on the street. No one, like nobody, asked the question: Do we want 10,000 more police on the streets? Like, do we want like the country's biggest left-wing party pushing that as a policy? It wasn't that long ago that there was genuine discussions. Following, uh, I think it was following the what happened with Mark Duggan and the tribunal decisions about the guy, who, the guy who killed him, got off basically. And there was genuine discussions about what would a less terrible police look like do we need the police obviously it wasn't a huge like 
wasn't going to happen in the immediate term. But like, I feel like there's some regression there. And instead of talking about that, we're talking about Diane Abbott having a weird brain fart on talk radio or whatever. What have Labour got to lose by saying, yeah, screw it, we'll nationalise energy, transport, give people free education, build loads of homes? Like, we all, we're all not stupid. Like, we know a lot of this probably isn't achievable. But at this stage, they may as well you know, say something. They may as well be honest about what they're looking to get. You know, what we get from Labour is at least they're looking with these policies to make people's lives better and fairer. The Tories aren't exactly putting anything across that inspires us to vote for them. That's it, not fair. Uh, they love fox hunting. You have shot me down there. <laughs> I am dead in the dirt. Thanks for that, Simon. I was going to... I was looking at Labour and then I remembered how much I hate foxes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, so They deserve the death at the hands of 40 hounds and a bunch of toffs running after on horses. Yeah. Maybe not the biggest issue the country should be worrying about. Well... Just put that out there. I also think she's kind of backfired with that because foxes are kind of I don't know who's been doing like the PR for foxes but they used to be like really they used to be like a pest they were like eat your rubbish but I swear recently they've become kind of cool they're like sort of like psychogeographer night nocturnal sort of like sort of these cool creatures of the city and uh, I think there's a big constituency of people who, who really like foxes now Personally I've always been in favour of fox hunting Lots of people getting in touch about bins today Get out! We'll manage without you! Can we talk about this fox hunting thing seriously though? Because it seems to me like Labour's actually fighting an election campaign and the Tories are just chilling and then occasionally just like throwing everything up in the air with like ridiculous proposals to bring back fox hunting. Like we're all talking about fox hunting but what we're not talking about is the fact that they've not really said that they'll do anything or put out any information about what they're going to do in government because they don't have to. Yeah, I mean it's a good question like how far can Theresa May go without saying anything very much at all? And I guess there's not much incentive for them to say anything because they just have to sort of kind of park the bus like in football terms and not do anything and then present this like coalition of chaos narrative and hope that enough people are scared to vote for them. They don't, they don't have to win any votes by saying any, any positive proposals to make life better for anyone. Yeah. They're fighting a negative campaign to stop life becoming, in their view, worse uh, by going back to the 70s. It's like an arrogance that they can even mention something like fox hunting at a time of, you know, Brexit, NHS social care crisis, underfunded military, you know, uh, our horrible attitude to bringing in refugees. Um, Increasing and it, childhood poverty. Yeah, I mean, the list is basically endless. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and also, obviously, she's still trying to appeal to the countryside vote. You know, as a kid, I grew up in the countryside and, like, fox hunting was the big thing at the time because it was obviously going through debate and everyone was talking about it at the school. Well, like it was the biggest thing. Yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> People actually from my school like, went like to Pokemon the big cards, protest they had. <laughs> right? Like Pokemon cards? Uh, I big mean, thing or like yeah, that and yeah, that and Pokemon cards. Um, so this guy Max Wynn Cowie, who is a director of or deputy director of ResPublica, which I think is a sort of conservative think tank, um, said that basically it was about as damaging to rural communities as the closure of the mines was to northern communities under Thatcher. I mean, that is just so crass. Like, how can you compare killing the animal for fun to losing your livelihoods 
I mean, if some jobs were lost, I'm sure that's true. It, it was a big deal. People were very upset. You know, they felt like their traditions or culture were, was, were under attack. But it's not as if fox hunting stopped. Like, right. a law came into place, and it, it hasn't stopped people from breeding hounds. Or it, legally, they're supposed to chase a scent laid down by one of the terrier men or someone that works for the, ha for the hunt. Or they just go and chase foxes anyway. And because the police don't do shit, they're more than capable of carrying on these traditions. Like, this hasn't shut down communities in the countryside. It's a total you could say the same fallacy. for mining. Like, people can still dig for coal if they want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, a ritualized kind of, yeah. It's I totally the same. I suppose you're right, but the difference <laughs> is one is illegal, one isn't. And, you know, one decimated entire communities and, like, destroyed their whole raison d'etre. And, like, you'd have villages where everyone was unemployed now. But I maintain, <laughs> if you want to dig a hole and find some coal, you still can. And it, and if you want to hunt a fox, you still can. It's the same thing. Well, I know what I'm doing the weekend then. <laughs> Digging for some coal. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> There's a lot of anger at the political system here, which sometimes results in apathy. The same thing is happening in France, but it's manifesting itself in a different way. Last week, Vice's own riot boy, Henry Langston, went to Paris to see a different side of disaffection, getting caught up in a Mayday riot with France's ungovernable generation. Day, International Workers' Day, and we're in Paris. Behind me are hundreds of anarchists and anti-fascists who are angry at the rotten choice they face in next week's second round of the presidential election. It's part of uh, how the media made it happen to have uh, someone as ma like Macron to be, to be the, the biggest candidate of uh, so-called left-wing, actually. I think he's a fucking right-wing, but um, to me, he's not different uh, than Le Pen. <laughs> I will not vote. It's not more dangerous than the situation we're in now. Thinking that, that now is okay, that we can have uh, uh, freedom and democracy and fight for our rights under Macron is uh, like a tale, like a fairy tale. And actually, I think more people are going to fight if it is Le Pen than if it is Macron. Voting to me will mean that I legitimate this choice. And I don't want to legitimate this choice. I want to fight against it, and I will fight against it by non-voting and by going to protest. There have been a few bottles and smoke bombs thrown, but at the moment it's relatively calm. It seems protesters are more angry at the thick line of press that are separating them and the police. Police now are on either side of the anarchists and anti-fascists. to put our gas mask on now. The police started using tear gas. There's a big gap between them and the protesters now. I keep hearing the term generation ungovernable. Yes, the fact that you go to vote means you legitimate the fact that you're governed. And ungovernable means 
But we don't want to be ruled by them. The political system is definitely rotten. And every time we tried to do things from the inside, it didn't work. So maybe we have to try something different. What is something different? The best option would be a revolution, but is the people ready for that? No. So we have to be realistic to what's happening in the society. What do you think will happen today? Oh, I don't know, but I think the police is really angry at us and uh, they don't really care about what they have the right to do, so it might be a bit tough, a bit sportive at some point. So that's what a Paris May Day riot sounds like. Henry, in France, people abstain from their election. Why? So a number of reasons, really. Uh, we spent time with a uh, sort of group of radical anarchists and anti-fascists who formed the head of the, the march, the Cortege de Terre, which I've obviously pronounced terribly in my pidgin French. Uh, Sorry, French and listeners. They, there's this term going up that's been around in France now for a, just over a year. The uh, ungovernable generation, basically, is the, the translation. And it's sort of an idea that's being embraced that where people are choosing to reject the election uh, in its entirety, uh, and that means you know, abstaining from voting, cho choosing not to choose between uh, Emmanuel Macron, who the, the eventual winner, a sort of uh, centrist who doesn't have a political party, uh, or Marine Le Pen, the leader of the Front National, a party steeped in decades of anti-Semitic allegations and, and now more recently uh, Islamophobia. So that means they don't want to at least choose to vote against, like vote for the lesser evil? Yeah, so obviously they've come under a fair amount of criticism because in this particular French election you had, for the left at least, a seemingly very obvious choice anyone but Marine Le Pen, you know, who, in, who basically they see as a, a complete fascist, a neo-fascist. Um, so you'd think that choice would be relatively simple, but uh, they don't see it as that simple because they see Emmanuel Macron, uh, someone who you know used to be in the banking system, is essentially a technocrat, has, has no sort of political base, no political depth, no one really knows what he stands for. And they their fear for a Macron presidency is that he will continue the status quo, that France really won't change that much, that uh, his uh, neoliberal economic policies will continue to affect uh, the working class French, which in turn could potentially fuel a Le Pen victory in five years' time. So 
you know, I understand where they're coming from, and it has been growing in appeal. Uh, obviously, you know, we saw that 25% of French voters chose to abstain, so clearly uh, the idea has caught on. Whether it's people actually saying, yes, I'm uh, choosing to abstain because I, I like the idea of uh, the ungovernable generation, or it's they choose to just not go by that phrase. But um, Can we see any like contrast or similarity with the UK? Because loads of people don't vote in the UK. But you don't really have people writing on the streets saying, fuck you, we're ungovernable. Uh, no, we don't really. Um, I mean, there's a lot more context between behind why May Day this year was particularly violent in Paris. You've got over a year of uh, clashes between police and protesters because of this controversial Labour Act, which was pushed through by the Hollande government. Uh, and then more recently, earlier this year, protests and uh, marches and violence against police brutality in the Paris suburbs. Uh, so there was a lot more sort of tension involved. Uh, I mean, there's always a big march in Paris on May Day, as there is in many uh, cities uh, around the world, although the one in the UK seems to be kind of Turkish communists and creepy British Stalinists. Uh, it's yeah. definitely more of a serious thing in, in France. Huh? And John Madonna. Well, and John Madonna, yeah, but <laughs> ouch. Um, uh, so there was violence last year, but this year many of my French colleagues who we spent time with were basically saying this is the worst it's been in, in years, one of the potentially one of the worst riots France has had in, in recent memory. Um, so there's a lot more context and anger, which we don't really have here. There's a lot of anger and frustration at the system, but there is a big difference between why people go out on the streets in France and why they go out on the streets, or why they don't go out on the streets as much here in the UK, rather. What do you think it would take for people to be on the streets here in the UK? There are more than enough reasons, and there have been for, you know, seven years since the Tories came in, and, you know, arguably before that. There's always reasons to come out and hit the streets. It's, it's a, and I it did happen a bit with yes, the Yes, no, we, we've seen the student protests were a good example of, of you know young Brits standing up for something they believe in. We've we've also seen a number of large, mainly trade union congress organized marches in London against austerity. And then you also have the London riots, which was, you know, an expression of rage again at police brutality and uh, well, m murder of you know, technically you know, innocent people, uh, and so the, so the kind of old cliche of like, oh, the French love to strike and get out on the streets, and the British are very like, let's put, have another cup of tea. Maybe doesn't hold. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, th there is definitely. Uh, many more parties there's a tradition in, in France on the left to the left of their Labour Party there are communist parties and so on and there's a stronger tradition of mobilising in the streets um, which we don't have here but um, you know a lot of people uh, th th there's no like a central national difference there's a long storied history of British radicalism uh, but in terms of people getting on the streets here now um, I guess Jeremy Corbyn has kind of put a weird question mark over that because it's hard to imagine what the extra parliamentary left would have looked like over the past few years and what it looked like in the future because as long as he's there he is 
a large amount of, of this energy is going that way, or is it as emotional and tactical and so on investment and the possibility of that for the left? Um, so it'll be interesting to see after this election, depending on what happens, whether we see uh, the kind of crushing nihilism and apathy that happens when people have believed in something or need to see it extinguished in front of their eyes, or whether there'll be a reinvigoration of that kind of 2010-2011 kind of protests that we saw. Do you think we sort of need an ungovernable generation in the UK, or is this something different? I think we need ideas like that to become more mainstream. Like we, political systems barely work most of the time. You know, there's always a section of the population for many different reasons that feel left out and disenfranchised. So, I mean there needs to be an alternative and the ungovernables in France seek an alternative they don't necessarily have one but their their start point is to refuse to to play a part in the system and this election that we're having as you discussed earlier you know this isn't a election that is purely about giving the british people a chance to to you know pick who they really want their leader to be uh, it's definitely more of a tactic by Theresa May and the Conservatives to try and decimate Labour for future generations, strengthen her position. So I mean, it, we're being duped, essentially. Uh, and it's one, it's the most important election we've ever had, but also one of the most egregious as well. One that I find, so I, I will always vote, but this is the one election that makes me maybe think about that always voting stance because I don't particularly feel like I want to play her game but I know I have to. There's a question of individual responsibility definitely but a lot of it also has to lie with the Labour Party and its inability to politicise people, to engage with people. Um, yeah I mean I think the Labour Party would say that a lot of that's to do with a really hostile press environment as well though. It's really hard to get those messages across when pretty much all the national newspapers are against you with the exception of like the Guardian and the Mirror. Yeah there were some interesting initiatives by Momentum to uh, actually kind of exert some uh, some political force as an institution through things like breakfast clubs and uh, other groups that they as a party could deploy in order to engage people. I think those kind of things would be incredible. They could be transformative. So many of these groups that aim to mobilise young people um, like voter turnout won't be getting funding because it's a snap election so um, these are like specifically groups set up to try and get young people out to vote and, and they're not going to be able to do anything this election. Yeah, it feels like it's an election where absolutely nobody has their shit together. Apart from the Tories. Thanks Henry, Sheeran and Johan. You're the most ungovernable generation we've ever had. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a glowing five-star review if you fancy it. It helps other people get involved. We'll see you again next Friday. Stay positive. <laughs>